When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply. If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Coast to coast, border to border, and around the world. It's time for The Bill Alexander Show. The Bill Alexander Show is a guest-driven program where the topics are diverse and entertaining. Laugh and learn while you listen to one of the best hours of online radio. Now, here's your host, Bill Alexander. Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill. And welcome to this edition of The Bill Alexander Show. So glad you can join me today. The guest I have on the program, you may not know his name, but you know who his mother is without even thinking about it. And who am I talking today? I'm talking to Marion Ross's son, Jim Meskimen. Jim, how are you doing this evening? Hey, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Marion Ross, yeah, that's my my organic, biological, and much beloved <laughs> mother and uh, Marion Cunningham of Happy Days fame. Mrs. C, as we all... Uh lovingly refer to her as is uh, so great so before i get started in your career how was it growing up with your mother being marion ross well it was it was nice i mean she was a single mom so we you know we were very both my sister and i were very you know happy when she got jobs of any kind commercials or guest spots on all those shows in the 70s you know manix hawaii right. 50 you know, if she got a job, we were like, oh, boy, <laughs> hooray, because, <laughs> you know, we, we knew she had to pay the bills and we wanted things, you know, clothes and we wanted to have food. And so, you know, that was great. And then when Happy Days happened, it happened very slowly and gradually, which is not the way television works today. You know, now you're you're in or you're out uh, pretty fast. But then, it, you know, they let it kind of sit there on uh, ABC for a couple of years uh, before it really got super popular. And, uh, it was, it was interesting to be part of that. I mean, I was obviously just to the, to the side, I was an ancillary witness to it, but right. uh, it was great to see something be so popular and we didn't know what was going on. It was like when, you know, like when you put a video up that goes viral, you're like, what the hell's going on? Who are these people? Where <laughs> they come from? Why weren't they here two years ago? Right. So what's interesting is a f uh, about a month and a half ago, I talked to Anson Williams yeah. about happy days and working with your mother and the same thing. He said, we knew it was something special. We just didn't know why it took so long to take off. But I guess doing a 1950 themed program in the 1970s was a little bit unique for the time. Yeah. Bit of a gamble, like all like all programs are. Well, Anson's a great guy. I've worked with Anson a lot. I've been directed by Anson a few times. He's a he's a very talented guy. In fact, one of the first jobs I ever got in animation in uh, 
in in Los Angeles anyway was doing my Anson Williams impression for Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> they had written in Anson Williams in Pinky and the Brain, and I thought I can do this. That's that's funny. So so let's talk about your career because oh, not only right. did not only did you do you do impressions, you've been on many TV programs. You've been on NCIS. You have been on. Um, let's see. Uh, who's who's lying? All grown up. Recreation. Who's lying? Uh, yeah. yeah uh, and you've done a lot of voiceover work for uh, yeah. cartoons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Back at the barnyard the Batman, Johnny Bravo, all these things. But again, people don't know who you are. But no, recently I've, I've, I've labored in I've labored in relative obscurity, you know, but that's <laughs> that's fine. That's fine with me. And um, but but when you when you recognize you, for example, a few weeks back, I was watching Apollo 13 yeah. and there you were in the film that's and right. uh, at a, a big film, not only a big film, but it was also directed by your mother's other son, Ron Howard. That's right. Her pseudo son. <laughs> My and, pseudo brother Ron, yeah. <laughs> so, how was it working with him? Oh, great! It's always a pleasure. Anybody you talk to, they love working with Ron. He's a great director. He's a, you know, as an actor himself, he knows exactly what to tell you. He knows what he wants. He's very, he's in it for the right reason, you know. And he's a, obviously really skilled, a great communicator, you know. So he can talk to all the different departments: camera department, lighting department, costumes, and acting, and and really get them all going in the in the right direction. So it's. I, I look forward anytime I get the call from Ron, I'm very happy to work with him. So you mentioned earlier you did uh, the voice of Anson Williams for Pinking in the Brain. You also did Ron Howard for The Family Guy. I did. I, I do Ron's voice because uh, like like Anson, uh, I've heard him a lot, you know, <laughs> and I've talked to him a lot. So, uh, you know, with directors, too, you, you, know, you listen very intently. So I've been able to uh, make a, a real study of it. So do you like doing impressions? Do you feel that that's your, your, your main talent? Or is it the voiceover work? Is it acting? What would you rather do? Well, I have a lot of things I like to do. I like to stay busy. You know, I'm, okay. I'm, like, my, like my mom, I learned to, to hustle and to, you know, get a lot of opportunities, make the most of my skills. So I do like to do impressions. It's not the thing that I wake up in the morning going, oh, I hope I can do a bunch of impressions today. But like if you ask me to do a voice, I'm very happy to do it. If uh, an audition comes up, like I just had about a half an hour ago, I'm uh, very happy to take a swing at it. It's it's fun. It's like a little bit of a game. You know, it's like, okay. can I can I do this better than all the other fine actors in L.A. that are also <laughs> you know, more than equipped to do this? So do you consider yourself um, an impressionist like Rich Little or do you just, like you said, do it because it may be needed for a job? Well, you know, Rich, I, I don't know. He's such a, you know, he's the grandfather of all impressionists, all modern impressionists he, uh, or the godfather or whatever. He's the figurehead because he was, you know, the best. He really was uh -huh. the best. And uh, and the most uh, out there and uh, visible and uh, listenable. So, you know, he, but he stayed in Vegas pretty much or toured around and had his act and did what he did. I my career hasn't been that way. I do like to play other characters that are not celebrity based. I like to create characters. I like to be on TV and, you know, play 
or movies and, and play other kind of characters that we don't go, oh, well, there you go. He's doing Tommy Lee Jones or oh, right. <laughs> Lloyd Bridges. I don't know. So so I, I like to create things. I, and if it involves sounding like another person, I'm happy to do it. Like, you know, I've done Robin Williams voice many times for various Disney products. Uh, I played the Blue Genie quite a bit with for video games and other projects and uh, projects of my own as well. So when it's appropriate, I like to pay homage to to Robin. I also do our Colonel Sanders voice too right now for the KFC <laughs> brand, and that's a little bit more, uh, I guess you'd say, uh, mercenary. Uh, so, on, uh, are you ahead. doing the TV commercials too? Uh, the voiceovers for the TV commercials, yeah, and the radio. Okay. As well. If you don't see okay. the Colonel, it's and you see his hands or something, and it's that's you. Me. You hear a guy like this saying. <laughs> 11 herbs and spices and uh, come on down you know that kind of thing that's that's usually me okay now, that that that's really cool now you mentioned robin williams yeah. how is it to do a performer that is so beloved and and remembered for like you said the blue genie and stuff like that do you feel it's an honor to do him absolutely or are you a little bit leery because you don't want to really ruin that image that he created well i both really because it was a tremendous honor and i was i was you know i had the honor of being approved by robin uh you know oh. because i'd been working long before he passed so uh there was a point i guess when disney had uh, uh was auditioning people and they said well robin has allowed uh whoever takes over the blue genie to to really emulate his voice which he hadn't done in prior years so when dan castellanata did it for uh for the television series of Aladdin, he, I, I guess, was discouraged from doing an impression of Robin, but created his own genie that, you know, definitely <laughs> gave a nod to the blue genie that Robin had created. Right. But in my case, I got to go full on. And, and indeed, when I did the, the audition, I did it as much like Robin as I could. 10,000 years can be such a pain in the neck. <laughs> uh, but, but when he passed, then I did feel very ambivalent about doing it like oh my god this is just like kind of sacrilegious and uh because it now it meant something different now the voice didn't just stand for fun and creativity and thinking right. outside the box but it stood it really represented a kind of a tragedy uh so i actually wrote a poem about it that's how i kind of made my peace with it was i wrote a poem about it which i have on my youtube channel about uh, doing his voice performed in his voice and uh and people re responded really well and it, it did pretty well as a video and and i think as a tribute so are you and and that's the other thing so are you able to do say robin's voice as, i mean as the blue genie of course but mm -hmm. as himself or maybe mork or even one of my favorite roles that he was in popeye um do you, are you able to do it or are you just only focused on one aspect of his uh creativity well i've really only been asked to do it uh, as as the blue genie but okay you know, I've, I've listened to robin lots of times on interviews and things like that so it's easy to kind of extrapolate his more conversational tone and i also see here that you also did johnny carson which had to be interesting That's and right. unique because he had that midwestern um yeah. accent from, which really uh, isn't an accent no, it's a it's a uh, a vacuum of an accent, I guess you'd say, a, a, a not quite there accent. Yeah, he was born in, I believe, he grew up in Nevada. Yeah, I believe that's right. Okay. Uh, oh no, no, sorry, Nebraska, Nebraska. Sorry, that other that other state that starts with N. 
Yeah, I've gotten do to you do have, Johnny a lot. It's fun. Do you have one voice that you enjoy, enjoy doing most? Well, I think I, I these days I really like doing Patrick Stewart's voice because he's ah. got such a, a wonderful, cheerful sort of avuncular style. And, uh, you know, it's almost always um, appropriate or inappropriate, rather, to... Um, you know, to say th- something like Patrick Stewart, and uh, I do, I do enjoy it quite a lot. Is there a voice that you don't like to do, or because you don't like to do it, you just don't do it? Well, yes. I mean, why would I do something I don't want to do? You see, <laughs> it's very simple, really. <laughs> You've answered your own question. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a big soft pitch for me. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, why? Why make it so if you don't need to make it so? Do you follow? Yes, I understand totally. So when you, whenever you do your acting roles, do yeah. you do you still go out and audition, or do they say, "Hey, we need we need a guy like this," and you have a certain stereotype, and they call you and say, "Hey, we need you for this role," or do you still go out and audition? Uh, well, I do go out, and and when I say go out, that's kind of an expression. I go to the room in my house where I tape my auditions, which is where. You know, most actors now, you may not be aware of this, but uh, we're mostly auditioning from home. We've been doing that since the pandemic began and actually before. Uh, and I like that. I like auditioning at home because I can do it anytime I want. I can do right. as many takes as I want. And I think casting likes it, too, because, uh, you know, they get a, a the pressure's off and the actor can just kind of do do his take on it and uh so, yeah, no, I do get offered roles occasionally. I just got offered a, a small role in a film. Uh, but that's because I know the director and he knows me and he knows that I won't screw it up. Uh, and <laughs> But I, I, do a, I do a fair amount of auditioning every, every week and, and I've made my peace with it. I've done probably tens of thousands of auditions in my career. And uh-huh. so I'm, I'm just fine with it. It's just, it would be weird to, to not audition. It would be very strange. Um, and the, the idea of auditioning from home, I was not familiar with it until the last six months because my son is an actor and ah, he's okay. in, doing musical theater. He's graduating from college this spring and he's been doing auditions in his bedroom. Yeah. And I keep hearing him talk to himself <laughs> or into yeah. his iPad and singing and everything else. And I come to think of it, he's out on an audition tonight. He's on a callback. But um, it is it's it's something unique. Now, do you you see this as a result of the pandemic or was this happening before? It was happening before, but usually it was happening when it did happen before. It happened because, uh, you know, someone would be out of the country or unavailable or something like they couldn't come in, you know. Okay. And um, so now it has definitely pushed us all. I mean, it just forced everybody into what forced casting into arranging these auditions and having to do whatever they had to do to pivot and and receive auditions and edit them themselves and present them. And it forced all the actors to suddenly go, oh, I got to learn about lighting and sound and uh, get a background and get, a you know, my iPhone and figure out the tripod. And and luckily, I'd been making videos for a long time. So for me, it was a very gentle adjust, adjustment. But uh, for a lot of us, it was like, whoa, how do how do we do this? You know, and <laughs> Amazon coming to the house with the here's your background. Here's your green screen. Yeah. Yep. Here's your uh, ring camera or your your ring light. Your Lord yeah, it, of the Rings light. <laughs> <laughs> it has it has made life interesting because think about it. Everybody has a studio 
in their home somewhere. And yeah. again, it, it's just amazing how this has all changed. Now, I'm looking at International Movie Database right now, and I, I'm looking at some of the things that either have been announced or are in production right now. And there's one I have to ask you about. You are going to be, is it a movie, is it a TV program called Tesla? And you're going yeah. to be George Westinghouse. Now, where I'm located at, I'm in Western Pennsylvania. I'm in the home of, in the area of George Westinghouse because right. I'm outside of Pittsburgh. Right. What does George Westinghouse sound like? <laughs> well, well, I, I think he sounds like this. That's, I try to give him an old-timey sound, but regrettably, I believe that particular posting on IMDb is uh, is no longer true. I think they've, oh. uh, they've, they, that's been up there a long time, and I think the people who were making the film originally had the hope of putting me in that role, uh, and now I believe they've been... Uh, I, I've never heard another word from them. It's been several oh. years. But I saw a really wonderful film with Benedict Cumberbatch about Edison, and there was a Westinghouse. It's basically the same story about these, okay. you know, the the struggle for you know direct current, alternating current in uh, in right. the United States. And they, you know, they've done a really good job. Whoever made that movie, so I think it probably cut the legs out from the movie that I was attached to. But the one I really am interested in is the uh, uh, the Big Door Prize, which I did just complete work on. That will be launching, I think, in October on Apple TV. The Big oh, Door wow. Prize. Sounds like a game show. It's not. It's from the people that did Schitt's Creek. Uh, oh, David West great program. Reed. And yeah, uh, yeah it's going to be funny like that. It's got it's got the great Irish actor Chris O'Dowd, young actor you might remember from Bridesmaids. Yes. yes. And uh, he's in it and some other very, very talented people and myself. And it's going to be swell. Anyway, that's a fun show. It's going to come out. Now, I'm also looking at this, and I guess you just got done doing uh, a movie called Gore about Gore Vidal, and you were Johnny Carson. <laughs> you're, picking all the, you're picking some really loaded ones there. That one will never be finished. That particular It says one, completed. I'm looking yes, at it right it's here. It's completed. completed. It's completed, and they put it right in the garbage, I think, because <laughs> it was Kevin Spacey's last oh, film before okay. the debacle. Yes, and okay. it was about a predatory homosexual writer. Yeah. Uh -huh. Vidal, and I just don't think we're ever going to see that movie. I played Johnny Carson in that movie. Okay, so let me ask you this. So we'll get away from what the movie was about. So you actually portrayed Carson. So did, did they make I you did. up to look like him? I wore, How did I wore they a do hair that? Piece. I wore a hairpiece and uh, I wore a really, really nice jacket that looked like it had been, you know, came right from Botany 500. <laughs> Are they, but, is uh, Botany 500 still open? I mean, I, I wonder. I wonder. It, it may be at this point. It's probably Botany 5000. Yeah. So. You know, there's um, a, a new series out that I'll just let me help you out a little bit so that we don't hit any more landmines. But there's a series <laughs> called called Gaslit, which is yes, coming out that is re releasing on April 24th on the Stars Networks. Stars okay. Julia Roberts, Sean Penn. I worked on that. I'm in a couple of episodes of that. I worked with both of those Oscar winners. And uh, that's about Watergate and, and Martha Mitchell. And that is going to be a very interesting project directed by Matt Ross, who's a terrific director. And I had a lot of fun on that. Um, I, I think it's really interesting when you talk about it. So how many of these films or these projects that you worked on, were they shot before 2020 and and they realize now with everything going on, maybe they shouldn't come out. Or like you said, with Kevin Spacey, the whole debacle that happened there. Um, 
I mean, did 2020 play a big part in in what was going on, not only in your career, but in the whole Hollywood type situation? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, production shut down for months and months. And, uh, you know, everybody struggled with how are we going to produce content? Uh, but films did get made and TV did get made, but it was a big hiccup. And um, I was fortunate in that I got to, I work, a lot of my work, I, I get to do at home in this booth that I'm in right now, okay. talking to you from. I did my Colonel Sanders stuff. I did a lot of animation. I did video games and I did audiobooks. I'm also an audiobook narrator uh, and I've done a ton of audiobooks. And so I stayed very busy during that period, but boy, I sure wasn't uh, auditioning for anything. I wasn't going out for films or TV. Nobody was. Um, it, it's only recently kind of picked up again and got into a, a state of, uh, you know, almost normal. But uh, hopefully it'll just keep getting stronger and we'll all, all get back to work. So there's one I have to ask you about. And, oh and, if, it, and if it fell apart, let me know. <laughs> I will. I'll tell you immediately. <laughs> I can't wait Because it looks hear. really interesting to me because I've never heard of it. Okay. Called Senior Entourage. <laughs> Your, your your eye just goes to some of the most. <laughs> well, I would say, when I see, least I, I'm looking at things. these. Yeah, it has Ed Asner, Helen right. Reddy, mm -hmm. Charlie Robinson, your mother, Mark mm -hmm. Rydell, and you're doing the voice of Dick Van Dyke. I did the voice of Vic, Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, for that because uh, I don't know why they didn't just call Dick Van Dyke because he does it pretty well himself. <laughs> yes, he yeah, does. That was a, a project that I've I've not seen. Uh, it did get released. It's a small film, but the late Ed Asner, who was a great friend of my mom's, yeah, uh, it's one of his last projects. They had a wonderful relationship, my mom and Ed Asner. She always says, "Oh, I love, I loved Ed Asner," and, and they had a really unique, wonderful friendship. They did several projects together. And uh, yeah, she was she was really sad when he when he passed. He was a, a cantankerous and outspoken and very talented and funny man. It whenever you look at your mother's career, and she's been considered one of the greatest moms on TV. You had uh, Shirley Jones, you had Barbara Billingsley, you had your mother. And and Carol Brady, it's what we thought of what mom should be. Right. Did your mother ever feel typecasted because of it? Or was she just so grateful that people knew who she was? Because she, she felt grateful. Yeah, grateful. I mean, I, there probably was a little bit of typecasting. But, you know, Marion Cunningham was a very specific character. And you yeah. really didn't find that that. Uh, that opportunity, uh, I don't think. But, you know, she, after Happy Days, she did, she went back to the theater, uh, which she never really left. I mean, even in the hiatus, she would work in the theater and she did plays all over the country. She loves the theater. That's her training. And uh, she's a very gifted uh, theater actress. Um, and then, you know, she did all kinds of different things after that. She was in a wonderful show called Brooklyn Bridge. Yes, which which was quite different from Marion Cunningham in that she played a Jewish, uh, I believe, uh, Polish grandmother in Brooklyn, uh, which was based on Gary David Goldberg's family. Uh, he was the creator of, of Brooklyn Bridge and, and Family Ties. So, you know, she's she's a versatile performer. And I, I don't I think she was I know I know having grown up in the house with her. 
She was extremely grateful to Gary Marshall for casting her as Marion Cunningham and uh, changing our lives. Because recently, and I mean, they're making they're making a spinoff of it, I guess you could say, is that she was on the 70s show as Red's mother. Uh-huh. And that must that I mean, watching your mother smoke on TV or at least <laughs> do that. It was like, wait a minute. This is this is Mrs. C. She's not supposed to. Right. But again, it she took on that role as being a cantankerous old biddy. Yeah. Who who. <laughs> developed a crush on Fez because he enjoyed rubbing her feet, which was a very unique and odd uh, plot twist in the program. So again, I, I, I see your mother being very talented in that. Now, has your mother, and I, and I know I've uh, tried to get her on the program and I understand that she has officially retired. Um, yeah. and, and has she done anything within the last couple of years other than the, the piece that I just brought up? Has she done anything else? And she's if the right animation, she's done some okay. animation. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, she's, uh, I never thought she would, but she, she said, you know, one day she was like, you know, I think I, I don't need to do this anymore. And, and so she is just enjoying. And, you know, when a person gets to be 89, 90, you yeah. kind of cut them a little slack. You know, mom, if you want to stay home, sit in the sun and enjoy your garden. Right. Talk to your friends. You know, I think you ought to do it. And I don't think anyone would begrudge her. No, uh, not at all. Um, but again, she's, I, she's I just done it all. It. She's hit all the high points. She, she, you know, what she says a lot is that she did what she, she set out to do. And when she was a little girl in Albert Lee, Minnesota, she had this dream and, and, and she made it, she did it. And it was completely, uh, unlikely sort of scenario, but she, she pulled it off. And so you got to cut her some slack, you know, well done. One of her earliest roles. And if, it was she was on Perry Mason. Yeah. A very young Marion Ross. And right. um, when did she really start acting? When did she start doing her being on TV? Oh, in the early days of television. Okay. In live TV. Uh, she worked with Noel Coward on a live production at CBS of Blythe Spirit with Claudette Colbert and Lauren Bacall. Uh, that's like, I don't know, early 50s, I think. And so, yeah, she was, you know, that's when TV was live and, and you didn't have anything pre-taped. So uh, um, she's been in it from the very beginning. Whenever you started and what year did you start working in the business? Well, I started working in voiceover for television uh, in the early 80s. Uh, okay. Around about 1984, 1985, I was doing cartoon voices for a couple different shows, uh, the McNeil Lair Report, if you remember that news show that was on. Yes. Uh, every Friday, they would have a political cartoons section, and they would kind of zoom in and out of the political cartoons, and we would create, me and my, my friends, we would create uh, Ronald Reagan's voice and Mikhail Gorbachev, you know, and these different people in the news, we would make up voices and bring them to life. And I was in an animated series from Rankin Bass, I uh, did 65 episodes of a thing called the comic strip. And, and then I started okay. doing a lot of commercials. So that was all in the early eighties. So did you ever, and I, and I know your last name is, is different than your mother's. Did people know who you were or did you have to prove yourself? Did you ride on your mother's coattails, so to say? Well, you know, I won't say that I didn't try, but the fact okay. was, <laughs> the fact was, 
that the areas that I was getting into in New York, I was in New York City, uh, and, and she didn't really have contacts in New York uh, too much. So I, I did have to make it on my own steam. That being said, she did introduce me to Ron Howard, and Ron okay. Howard cast, cast me in the first film I ever did and in four other films after that. So, uh, you know, if those are coattails, then yes, I lovingly and gratefully jumped onto them. Uh, but I did, as always, you know, y you can go so far on those introductions and then you actually have to prove yourself. And uh, I think uh, I think Ron has always been, uh, he's, he's been a great supporter. So I guess I'm not uh, too dreadful. So how you, you've done five Ron Howard films? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Paper was the first one with Marissa Tomei. Okay. And then I did uh, a show called uh, Ed TV, I think, was next. Then Apollo 13, then The Grinch. And the last one I've done, it's been quite a while now, was Frost Nixon. I think that's, yeah, that's quite a while. So who did you play in Frost Nixon? I was one of the uh, the Nixon entourage. So I was on the okay. Nixon team. Um, gosh, I can't remember my character's name, but it was based on a real guy. Okay. Yeah, that was a fun, fun project to work on. Apollo 13 was really the the best for me. That's one of my favorite film experiences because uh, it, it was such a strong script. It was such a meaningful project and inspiring. And I learned a lot. You know, I learned about the space program and and I met a lot of people. And, you know, it was a really big movie at Universal. A lot of fun to do. I met astronauts. I met people that worked yep. at Mission Control. And just immerse yourself into that world was like, Wow. It was really eye-opening and enjoyable. And not only that, you got to work with Tom Hanks. What more can you ask for? Yeah, that's right. And Gary Sinise <laughs> and, and Ed Harris. I work with I work with Ed Harris quite a bit. Ed is great, and uh, I'd work with him again anytime. Very talented guy. This is my way of playing uh, Six Degrees from Kevin Bacon, mm -hmm. because now right. that I've talked to you, you work with him too. That's so right. it, it I've worked with him really twice. Well. He was yeah. He was in Frost Nixon too. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way I get to say that I'm associated with famous people is by it, it talking works. to somebody else. Yeah, it works. It works. Um, so you did another one dealing with uh, uh, Clinton, um, Trump, and I forget the other president that just happened to be there. Um, do you like doing that type of satire? I'm not sure which project you're specifically talking about, but I've done a, quite a lot of president stuff. I've done Bill Clinton. In fact, I'm going to do Bill Clinton again real soon. And uh, George W. Bush. Uh, it was the TV the series president. Trumped. With, oh, yeah. Uh, that's another very, yeah. very insignificant <laughs> part of my resume. <laughs> yeah. You seem to be attracted to the most. <laughs> well, uh, well, I look at the most unique stuff that most people haven't heard of. Yeah. Like, of and course, a, you did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I yeah, mean, everybody okay. knows who those are. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I usually bring out the highlights, you know, friends and things like that. But, okay. uh, yeah, we all Trump, heard of those. Trump was a friend of mine, uh, Jeff Rector, a very talented filmmaker, and he was doing these. He liked to play Trump, and so he did these silly um, YouTube videos of my wife also is an actress and she was a part of that. And uh, but I've done the presidents quite a bit, uh, especially for a show called For All Mankind on Apple. Okay. And they've needed Nixon and John F. Kennedy and Teddy Kennedy. And I think they needed Clinton, too. And they call me in. I, and I really appreciate it. It's it's fun to do those. You'd think that there would be tons of guys who could do those voices. And I imagine there are. But, you know, I'm always grateful when I when I get the job. 
that's really interesting because I, like you said, I would assume there'd be tons of guys, but right? if you have a reputation that yeah. precedes you, I mean, that's great. Um, a podcast series, you played Richard Nixon and Operation Cordelia. That's right. And I'm also going to be playing Nixon in a, an upcoming podcast that I'm very excited about called uh, Space 1969. Uh, and it's about a reimagining of uh, the space program if Kennedy had only been wounded in Dallas. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's very funny. It's by one of the writers, original writers of The Simpsons. And I play a lot of characters, but I do play Richard Nixon. Uh, and it's a it's a very unusual telling of this story, I can tell you. And you're going to want to listen to Space 1969, believe me. That's coming out so, in June. What I find interesting, and, and, and please tell me, with the advent of what's going on, the Internet, you have YouTube, you have all these streaming services, these podcasts. Because of the way the media is being distributed now, has that opened up new avenues for you? Absolutely. Yeah, no, there's tons of content going on. There's tons of creativity going on and people could collaborate over vast distances. So, yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I thrive on it. You know, we spend a good deal of our time here at my house, my daughter and my wife and I thinking of ways to create more video content stuff for TikTok. We feed my YouTube channel, which is Jimpressions, if anyone's interested. I we have to bring that up. Yeah daily videos at least once a day uh, with impressions and things. And, you know, are we making any money from it? Not necessarily, but <laughs> nothing, to, nothing to crow about. But we, we feel the satisfaction uh, of meeting new people, of, of getting feedback, of, of being creative and all those things that, uh, you know, that artists love to do. I mean, most, of, most artists I know, whether they're musicians or writers or whatever, we do we want to make a living at what we're doing? Absolutely. Would we be doing it anyway? Yes, because right. we love to create. Now, um, and I asked Anson this too, but when he left Happy Days, if someone came to you and said, hey, Jim, we have this idea of a TV series. We want to put you as the main character. Would you jump at it or would you start going, wait a minute, I want, uh, I want more input than just being standing on a stage and acting? Well, I'd like to know what the idea is. I, okay. I, you know, if it's if it's something that's in line with what I'm trying to do, you know, I, for example, I mean, these days, entertainment and television, uh, some of it's amazing. I mean, we're going through a kind of a golden age of television. I think the writing is amazing. The shows, the production, what can be done is just staggering. Uh, but that being said, there are also some some shows where you're like, what is the purpose of this show? Right. Are we just trying to make people feel icky? <laughs> or are we trying to uplift people, you know? And yeah. there are many, many shows that are very that make you laugh, that are fantastic and fun. Like Parks and Recreation is one where mm -hmm. I, I was on it uh, six or seven times. I really enjoyed being part of that. And there are other shows where you're like, man, who's watching this and why? And so I would want to always be part of something that is inspiring or at least funny uh, and not just snarky or, or abusive, you know, because okay. there's quite a few things out there that are like that. So if I came to you and say, hey, Jim, we have this idea of this reality TV program and we want to stick you in the middle of nowhere with five other people, would you do it? Probably not. OK, because everybody right now seems to be that's what they're doing. They're pulling these people that 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 are doing like voiceovers or former sports stars and stuff like that. 
and they're putting them on. And in my opinion, those people are really desperate for work or they're trying to get their name back out there again. Um, oh, the model, why can't I think of her name right now? Who's on the one and I'm looking at her going, why are you doing this? But again, everybody has their own purpose and their own need to be able to do something like that. Everybody do you feel the own, right? Everybody has their own mortgage. <laughs> yeah, true, true too. Hey, do you feel the writing has, is his, uh, either gotten better gotten worse or stayed the same when it comes to scripted tv i think it's gotten better i think there's a lot of tremendous work that's being done out there and i i have a theory that the writing is better because there's less futzing with it you know back in the 60s and 70s even when um i know this from you know watching the writers on happy days right there was not endless rewriting and and second guessing of material they would sort of write it and then they maybe do another rewrite and then on the night they might try some alternates but these days like on comedy shows i know from observing my sister's career she was a very uh, successful uh, television writer they futz with things forever they go over and over and change and change and query and and wonder and, and do alternates. And it's like, oh my God. These days, there's so many uh, platforms now and so many television shows and such a rush to get content on the air. I have a feeling there's less of a heavy hand weighing over everybody uh, saying, well, are you sure that this, you know, and our corporate uh, identity doesn't really fit with that? And I think writers are a, possibly, it's just a theory, possibly a little bit more on their own and, and doing okay. things on their own lights. And that, I think, will always result in better work. Um, your mother's program, Happy Days, we would classify as appointment TV because it was on every week at the same time. And you had to actually sit and make an appointment to sit down and watch it. Right. Unlike the Netflix, the Apple TV, the stuff like that. Do you think Happy Days, if we had that type of setting back then if, with the streaming services, do you think Happy Days would have been as big of a program as it did become? Or do. do you think it would have gotten lost in everything else that's out there? Well, I mean, it's impossible to say, but I, I think it would have done really well. It, it, okay. The characters, people love the characters. If they actually discovered the show and got attached to it, it was a fun, brilliant, simple easy to watch show that the whole family could watch together and was super silly sometimes the Fonz, you forget the Fonz, or maybe you don't forget the Fonz was like elvis i mean people yes. were so into the Fonz, and he wasn't this irresistible character henry winkler just acted the hell out of him he created this very unusual character that is nothing like henry winkler and uh you know i think people would have found it and they would have stuck to it like glue just like they did game of thrones or you know uh, better call saul or or any other great show well and look at schitt's creek and and stuff like yeah. that and the marvelous miss mazel that you happen right. to be on and yes let's talk about that yeah. <laughs> forget about senior entourage yeah the marvelous <laughs> mrs mazel were you only on one episode of that yeah, I had a small part. They were looking for an impressionist. Okay. And they were and they were looking for an impressionist of the period. And of course the period of Miss Maisel is the early sixties. And so I went, Oh man, I got this, you know, and they didn't have a script uh -huh. at the time. So I created my own little routine, uh, featuring, you know, people of the day, but Lancaster, I remember I did. And Minnie Pearl and I did John Wayne. And, you know, people that a, a comic impressionist would have done in 1963 or 64. And uh, they loved it. They hired me. They flew me out. And it was a great experience. 
which season was that? Because it's uh, season 2018. Two. Season, season two. two. Okay. Yeah. Um, because you played Joey Parker in that. Uh, Joey Parker, the, the famous and, Canadian impressionist. They said yes. he was Canadian, so I think it was a kind of a nod to Rich Little, who was Canadian. Ah, okay. Yeah. Did, are you surprised that program took off the way it did? Which one? That it, Marvelous Miss Maisel. No. That it became this this program that everybody talked about was on Amazon Prime. And Amazon Prime, really, no one ever thought of them making their own programming. And then all of a sudden, this came out, and then it just took off. Well, I'm not surprised uh, because I'm a fan. I was a fan before I worked on the show, which is kind of rare uh, for me anyway. Uh, it, it's beautifully produced, beautifully written. The performers are fantastic. The, the set decorating, the costumes, the music, you know, the performers are just amazing to me. And, uh, and, and Amazon did a very good job of promoting it. I yeah. saw it everywhere. It, you could not miss advertisements for that show. So I think the curiosity level was, uh, was up there. And it just has a, it's just a high-quality television show, you know, and very enjoyable. So the program that you have coming out on Apple TV, that's um, the big door prize. Yeah. The big door prize. Yes. Is that, is, have they only agreed to one season or is that going to be um, more than one season, hopefully, or well, how's hopefully that going to work? Hopefully it'll be 25 seasons. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, <laughs> I'll be doing it into my eighties. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, well, the reason I ask is, is because we've had so many programs that have been really good that have only seen one season and well, they have a not... limited season. It's not okay. a limited series. Uh, there are limited okay. series that are set up to be just six episodes or eight episodes, like, like right. the Queen's Gambit. Queen's Gambit was a great series, but it had, you know, it ended. Uh, it, it, and, and that's how the British do it a lot. You know, even Ricky Gervais's shows, they kind of have a, a, a beginning, a middle and an end. And, and they're fine with that. In America, I think we're always going for the jackpot. You know, we're more we're always going. You want to you want to have the Simpsons. You know, let's just yeah. keep going into the sunset. Uh, but uh, no, uh, the um, the big door prize, which is not about a door prize, it's not a game show. It's about a small town that gets this fortune telling high tech machine dropped in the middle of it, and people, you know, it purports to tell people their destiny, and that just creates havoc and it's very funny and, and as i said chris o'dowd is in it he's marvelous uh that show will be hopefully many many seasons and i i invite your listeners to check it out in october in october oh that i'm, I'm looking forward to that because that sounds really interesting yeah, about the apple whole tv fortune telling yeah. idea which oh, yeah. then makes me think about okay um <laughs> the movie big with tom hanks in it where they I, had the fortune telling machine yeah. he makes the wish yeah. so yeah i can i can see that being see that being very um very unique and mm -hmm. something to watch and hopefully it does hopefully it does give you many many seasons and you'll be able to retire from that uh, <laughs> the Thank same you. way your mother's retired <laughs> but right. uh but Jim, thank you very much. This has really been a pleasure to be able to talk to you, not only about your career, but also about your mother's career and, and being able to tie all these loose ends together. Because again, like I said, a lot of people don't see who you are because they only, they only hear you or they don't recognize the name. And, that, and, and sometimes that must be difficult. I guess so. I'll let you know. Okay, I just wanted to make, I mean, I've heard other people say it is. I don't know. 
I don't mind. I'm grateful. I'm so grateful to work in show business, to do the things I do, to have the kind of freedom I have, to have the creative uh -huh. life I have. I, I love our, our new technology. I love being on YouTube, uh, you know, so I, I got no complaints. I really don't. So is there anything else coming out that, that is not on incorrect on international movie database? <laughs> <laughs> Verified. Uh, I have a show. I, I did a nice guest spot on uh, uh, HBO's Hunters, okay. which is a show that stars Al Pacino. Now, yes. I didn't work with Al. Regrettably, I hope to one day, but uh, I did get to play a really cool character. I can't talk about it too much, but that's a very interesting show, and that will be coming out this summer sometime too, maybe in June. That's Hunters. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff coming out this year. Well, Jim, thank you very much. It was a it was a total pleasure to be able to talk to you. And please tell your mother I said hi. Not that she knows I who I will. am, but... Hey, I've always wanted to talk to Mrs. C, and this is the closest I will ever get. So, you're getting thank closer. you very much. You're getting closer. All right. Warmer, 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 hot, warmer. Hot, hot. <laughs> Jim, right. thank Thanks you very so much. much. You, you have a great one. We'll talk to you next time. Hey, a big thank you goes out to Jim Meskinen for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Talking about his career, talking about his mother, Marion Ross. Really a blast to uh, be able to take time to talk to him today. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, especially me being wrong on a few things, which is kind of cool too, because <laughs> he was really nice. So anyways, thank you very much for uh, listening to this edition of The Bill Alexander Show. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to The Bill Alexander Show. The Bill Alexander Show is a million-dollar baby production. For more information, go to the Bill Alexander If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.